Thank you, Rick and Nancy. We'll be reading again from John chapter 11. John chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. John chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. Would you stand as the scriptures read, please? Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and you are going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that he said, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke as of death, but they thought he spoke about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Let's pray together, please. Father, thank you for your word, and we thank you give us so many glimpses of Jesus. We ask that we would always look toward Jesus we would take advantage of the word that you give us, that we would study it well. And Father, we would know what Jesus did, what Jesus said, who Jesus is today. And Father, we ask that you would equip us to face the week with what we've learned today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. As we mentioned this morning, and several of the other things, Jesus has a plan. He hears of the sickness of Lazarus, and he has a plan. Actually, he mentions in this passage of Scripture two plans. First of all, the immediate plan, when to return to Bethany. The immediate plan, of course, was when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stays two more days. He's a day's journey away across the Jordan over where John was baptizing. And of course, we understand that Jesus' plan was misunderstood by everyone, no doubt. It puzzled the disciples when he didn't return quickly, and no doubt the sisters were looking for him at any time. But if you remember the first miracle that we looked at several weeks ago, the wedding of Cana and Galilee, and the mother of Jesus comes to him and says, they have no wine. 
his response seems to be a bit abrupt. I believe the King James says, uh, what have I to do with you? The New King James and other translations says, what does that concern have to do with me? Now that sounds abrupt because that's the English literal translation of these words. However, it's a figure of speech. And Greek scholars recognize this. And the Greek scholars, as they recognize this, translate it this way. Leave that to me. Don't worry about this. This problem is no longer your concern. And one says this, allow me to handle this in my own way. In other words, she just handed him the problem, and he said, this is my problem now, and I'll handle it in my own way, and you don't have to concern yourself about how this is going to get taken care of. Well, obviously, Mary took him at his word. The mother of Jesus said to the servants, you do whatever he says. And whatever he says, she knew it was going to be all right because Jesus had it under control. The plan of Jesus was a, a mystery. They didn't understand it. But Jesus handled it in his own way, and that turned out to be the best way, ultimately, when we see, of course, that Lazarus had been dead, certified, buried for four days. And, of course, when Jesus raised him from the dead, it was unmistakable. There's no way they could have pulled off some sort of a sleight of hand. He was certified. He wasn't there to even try to manipulate the evidence, so to speak. And his plan, the immediate plan, of course, we understand, was the best plan. And we spoke about that concerning our problems, our grief, our suffering, our pain. Jesus has a plan. I don't understand it. But we are called upon to trust his plan when we don't understand how these things are going to work out. That's the immediate plan. But then the ultimate plan is mentioned here, his earthly ministry. He finally says, let's go to Judea again. Let's go to where Lazarus is. And the disciples said, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and why are you going there again? Anytime they say the Jews... Predominantly, they are referring to the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem. So that's what they were referring to. Is, Why do you want to go back there? They wanted to stone you last time you were there. And then Jesus says this, Aren't there 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. If one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. There's the ultimate plan. He's speaking of his earthly ministry. Now, Jesus referred to his ultimate plan back at the wedding of Cana of Galilee. When he said, let me handle this in my own way, he also mentions this, same verse, my hour has not yet come. And what he meant is the hour that he would emerge publicly and challenge the Jewish leadership to the point where he knew what their response would be had not come. So early on in the ministry, he did not do that. And if you'll notice, that miracle was private. Only Jesus, perhaps the disciples, and the servants knew. The bride and groom didn't know. The uh, MC of the feast, he didn't know. Nobody knew about it. 
So Jesus kept it all quiet. Now they're concerned because he is saying, let's go to Judea again. Their fear was that Jesus and his work would come to a premature end. They had a real good thing happening in Bethabara where John had baptized. If you notice in verse 42 of chapter 10, and many believed in him there. You'd want to stay. You'd want to stay if you're having a lot of folks come to know the Lord. You'd want to stay if a lot of people were accepting him as Messiah. And of course, you'd want to stay if the work of Jesus seemed to be going okay. And now they were concerned that this good thing was going to end and the work of Jesus would come to a premature end. So Jesus replies and says, aren't there 12 hours in the day? This again, you have to understand, had to do with Jewish and even Roman customs at the time. First thing it tells us, there isn't a lot of time to work. 12 hours in the day means 12 hours of daylight. Regardless of the time of year it was, there was 12 hours of daylight in the Jewish day and the Roman day. Now, throughout the year, those hours would vary in their length because, of course, the daylight would vary. But there's always 12 hours, equal 12 increments of daylight. And, of course, in the wintertime, they'd be shorter hours. And, of course, the, the summertime, they'd be longer hours. But you always had 12 hours of daylight. Now, you have to understand, when it was daylight, you could work. When it was dark, you couldn't work. Why? There was no light. The only light you had was one feeble little lamp like a, a candle or a torch. There was no work that happened. And what he was saying, there was a allotted time to work. Don't you know there are 12 hours? Now, secondly, the day's 12 hours of daylight will be played out. Nothing's going to stop that. Nothing will stop the 12 hours of daylight with or without our work. There's ample time to do the work during the day. We determine how productive the day is. And so the figure of speech, there's 12 hours in a day, that's right. And all of us have those 12 hours. The way the day turns out is going to be what we do with the 12 hours of daylight. So we understand, thirdly, however, there are only 12. Obviously, they had never heard of that clever trick called daylight saving time. They give you an extra hour of daylight, did they? Well, there's only 12. In any time of the year, there were only 12 hours. The opportunity is over after the 12 hours. The time to fulfill our purpose in God's plan is right now. But now here is the fourth point that Jesus was saying. Hey, there's 12 hours in the day, 12 hours of daylight. Those 12 hours are going to play out. You can't shorten or lengthen the allotted day of daylight, no matter what you try to do. Nothing or nobody would shorten the allotted time for the work of Jesus. Nothing or no one would stop his work. Nothing 
would prevent the working of his plan. So what he is saying is, we'll go to Judea. My work is over when the Father says it's over. And there is no leadership. There is no government. There's no one person. There's no single power that can stop my work until it is through. So just relax. It's not going to be cut off prematurely. If you turn back to Luke chapter 13, Jesus handled a little bit more bluntly. The Pharisees obviously were trying to get him out of Herod's jurisdiction and back into their jurisdiction because they, of course, wanted a little bit more jurisdiction over him there. And in Luke chapter 13, verse 31... Luke chapter 13, verse 31. On that very day, some Pharisees came saying to him, get out and depart from here for Herod wants to kill you. Now that should put the fear into him. Herod was a ruthless monster, very powerful man. Well, and he said to them, go, tell that fox, behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow. And the third day I will be perfected. Go tell that fox. A fox in that day in that culture was considered a sleazy, sneaky, low-life animal. So for him to tell Herod was a fox, he was telling the truth because exactly what Herod was. He was a bad man. You go tell that fox. Does not sound like to me that Jesus was a bit afraid. And then he says this. You go tell him. I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I will be perfected. Now, that word perfected means the third day I'll be done, but not before. I'll leave when my work here is done. Nothing or nobody was going to thwart the work of Jesus Christ. Not the Jews in Jerusalem, not Herod, not Satan himself. Jesus Christ would work and nothing would stop his work. That's the same Savior we serve today. Jesus has a plan. Secondly, Jesus has a man. Jesus is determined to go to Jerusalem. Now, the disciples now face a test and a challenge to their faith and trust. As much of a test as Mary and Martha faced. Mary and Martha faced the test of their trust when Jesus never showed up. Now they're face, facing a big test of their trust when Jesus said we're going back. Because they're saying the last time we left the Jews wanted to stone you and you're going back again. Would they follow him? Would they trust his plan? Jesus talks about the day and the allotted time. And that day would play out and nothing would shorten it. And then he says to them in verse 15, nevertheless, let's go to him. His mind's made up. He's told them, we're going back. Who's going to say something? Who's going to say something? Well, one man did. And to be the least likely of anybody that we would think would step up and be bold for Jesus. Thomas. Thomas 
often nicknamed by many is Doubting Thomas. You would think he would be the last one that would have the courage and say, if he's going, I'm going. Now, the way he says it has often been mischaracterized by a lot of scholars, too. Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us go also that we may die with him. It sounds like he's throwing up his hands in total, just, I just give up, total surrender. Let's go and die with him. Well, he's criticized for his gloom. There's Thomas, criticized for his gloom. All Thomas was saying is what he saw the last time he left there. And so a lot of times we may criticize his gloom. And we may not applaud his op optimism. But we have to acknowledge his courage. Now he said, let us go that we may die with him. But notice what he said. Let us go. Let us also go. And what he's saying is this. Jews are no Jews in Jerusalem. Stones are no stones. If Jesus is going, I'm going. Did you catch that? If Jesus is going, I'm going. And I'm going even if I have to die with him. Now that's not like the blustering that Simon Peter did earlier and said of everybody else, of course, denies you, I'll never deny you. That's not what he just said. If he's going, I'm going. It's a matter of fact. So we come to where we are. Jesus still has a plan. Jesus is still working. Jesus is still working in this world. He has a purpose. The working of his plan involves us. He's ascended to the Father. He's left it to us, the church, to work his plan. Now, this work will involve commitment, consistency over time, some effort, and a lot of times it'll involve courage. He has a plan. Who of us will be willing to be like Thomas? And therefore, it could also be said he has a plan and he has a man. He has a follower. He has those who will be with him. Who of us would be willing to be like Thomas and follow his plan no matter what? Is there anything before we close? Let's stand and be dismissed in a word of prayer. Thank you for coming.